I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO, 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. I'm Andrew Downs, and I'm alongside Trent Condon, here to talk all things Hawkeyes for the next hour. Trent, how you doing, man? Go Hawks! Go Hawks! Man, what a week this is. AD, you're a couple years younger than me, but I faintly remember 1985. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. You were, what, two? Yeah, exactly. I was five. Maybe just turned three. I was in kindergarten. Right. And I just have very slight memories of it, and probably more than anything, the memories are kind of compounded with what I've seen. Yes, exactly. I feel like I was there. Right. Right. (laughs) But this is as big as it's been in Kinnick Stadium since 1985. It's It's wild. It's incredible. It is. It's a week that I think we've all dreamed about. And, and though Iowa's been great, they've had great teams, this is a level that we haven't seen before. You're right. And, and you know, let's just dive right into this because I've been thinking about this over the last few days. I really do think this is unprecedented in, in Iowa, certainly in my lifetime. I mean, you had the 2015 Big Ten Championship sure. game, and you could say there was more on the line there because there was a trip to the college football playoff for sure for the winner, yes. right? There, there weren't games to win after that. Uh, there wasn't work to be done. But Iowa didn't have much respect at that point, mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, I, that was a good Iowa team. It wasn't a great team. They had an easy schedule, and they lucked out a couple of times. Now, it's hard to win 12 games. I'm not taking anything away from them. I enjoyed that season as much as anybody did, but they didn't have the national respect. And they've almost never had the national respect, even in 2009 when they went to 9-0. and mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel like this this early in the season. I mean, here we are the first week of October, and people are legitimately putting Iowa into the college football playoff discussion, and they have to because of what this Iowa team has done, the resume they've built already. I really think if Iowa wins this game on Saturday afternoon, we enter an unprecedented level of national respect and national hype around this team, something that... May I mean, maybe, especially because in the 80s and before, mm-hmm. there wasn't social media, there wasn't right. 24-hour sports talk stations or TV stations. I, I really think we could have the most hype an Iowa football team has ever had in history. That's not hyperbolic. No. That is a real statement, and that adds to the excitement level that we're going through right now. It's sitting here on Thursday. This has been one of the longest weeks of my life. Yes. Another non-hyperbolic <laughs> statement. It just It's a reality. It just... Looking last night, I was enjoying the baseball so much, but I was looking for any little nugget of Iowa Penn State information I could as I was sitting there on the couch and enjoying the game immensely. But I want to get a little more on the Hawks and the Nittany Lions. I mean, that's what this week has been. Tomorrow is going to be the longest day of the year. And then you wake up on Saturday. And if you're like me, you're heading to Iowa City, you're like you, you're getting ready for the game. It just, it's incredible the buildup to this game. But let's talk about the game. Let's actually talk about what we anticipate we're going to see between the lines. I mean, Iowa, six days ago, pulled off a huge victory against Maryland in such impressive fashion. And even Monday, 
when I started my show, you started Murph and Andy. It, all right, yeah, they killed him, but let's get ready for Penn State. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's where it's yes. been yes. all so week long. The thing that happened on Friday was they set themselves up for this game, right? right. They, they put themselves in position to jump Penn State in the rankings to be a top three team and uh, and and do this consensus top three. Yes, team yeah, right, exactly, yeah. and and a deserving one, right? Like because not, there's not still a fluky. AP voters that have them still in double digits I for think. sure. Was twelve? Was that? I the think lowest? that's right. Yes, which Somebody, is crazy to think. But okay, yeah. For so sure. now you got a chance to prove it. Yes, and he can shut them up, and he can go every single person in the country that votes in the AP poll that makes if you beat Penn State, you beat Penn State not in a fluky game. But just play Iowa football the yeah. way that we've seen the Being last convincingly. 10 games. Yeah, you are the third best team in the country consensus. And you're the best team in tier two, right? Because everybody yeah, sure. has determined Alabama and Georgia are, are the two best teams. Mm-hmm. But Iowa has maybe the best resume if they if they win this game. Yeah. And it's incredible to say that. Uh, so all your questions have been answered, obviously, Trent, right? That, that 52-point <laughs> beatdown uh, against Maryland, that answered all the questions you had about this offense, the offensive line, Spencer Petras. You're just gung-ho. You're, you're happy. I think that was Spencer Petras' best game. I do too. As a Hawkeye. Yes. I think he played at a level, and he got off to a shaky start. I, I think that was missed maybe by some people just because of the way it played out and, of course, the second quarter, the way that went down. But the thing that I love more than anything about Petrus, and something that drove me nuts about him last year, is he'd make a mistake and he'd do this stupid hand clap. Yeah. You know, something about that hand clap. Yeah, you hated that. It just it annoyed the crap out of me. And the hand clap's gone. Now, it, it still might come up. <laughs> And if he makes a mistake, and we might see it again, but there was something about it where we heard last year when against Wisconsin, Amir Smith Marset flips into the end zone, and he was asked asked afterwards, "What'd you think of that?" I didn't see it. I was going crazy on the sidelines. <laughs> he was almost too amped up, and yeah. you can see the confidence building with him, but not just confidence, swagger. Swagger is a very important component. It's nothing we can measure. He can't go to Bill Connolly with S and P Plus at ESPN and and measure it. But it's something we can see. Drew Tate, that dude had swagger. Yes. Ricky Stanzi had yeah, swagger. Absolutely. CJ Beathard had swagger. Yes. As a quarterback and having just that. Nate Stanley never really did. He didn't. No. No. And James Vandenberg never had it. As talented as the teams were the three years of Stanley. Yeah. He never had that. No, he didn't. And it feels like that's building with Petrus. He's got this X factor, and and I think we've seen it in the way that his teammates and his coaches have talked about him for two full years now, right. uh, and now we're starting to see it a little bit more. Uh, but, I mean, we've seen it even in press conferences and things. The way he carries himself mm-hmm. is as the leader of this football team. Even in games where he doesn't play well, even in those first two losses, he is the, the leader of this football team, and that must be even more stark in the behind the scenes, in the locker room, uh, you know, around that facility that we don't see. Because you're 100% right. Uh, the swagger he is kind of building up now is, is I think, what we hoped we would see at mm-hmm. some point, And now we're starting to see it. And, you know, this offense is just probably never going to put up gaudy stats. Mm-hmm. But a part of that is because they get great field position. I mean, the best in the country field position. And the stat that Kennington Smith from the register was continuing during that game Friday night. And it ultimately ended technically with that interception right at the end of the half because Iowa didn't get the ball and didn't have a chance to turn that turnover into points. Before that, every turnover Iowa had this season had been turned into points by this offense. So again, while this offense may not be the most dynamic and it still has questions and question marks, when the rubber meets the road, you know, when the bleep hits the fan, when they have to take advantage of the opportunity the defense has given them, they've done it every single time this season. And I really think that's something that has been overlooked and maybe none of us have given this offense enough credit for to capitalize on the opportunities that they're given. 
the team feels like they're built in comparison to each other. They understand the limitations of each other, the strengths of each other, and they're building to understand and to build each other up. And you go through this program and you look what it was, what, 16 months ago? And everything that was happening during the summer of 2020. Yes. And the negativity around it and people questioning, is Kirk Ferentz the right person to lead this program going forward? There are big time questions out there and what they are today. It's not just a football team that's talented. Of course, there's talent on the team. But there feels like there is more than that. It does. And that's the exciting part about this is it's not just watching these guys that we love to cheer for, but it does feel like there's something more. There's something even more special with this group. And there's a story to be told, maybe it's after the season, about how they got to this point. It's a component that I don't think Gus and Joel Clatt are going to be talking about on the game Saturday, but it's a component that's important. I think important for us Hawkeye fans to realize how they got to this point and how they built together and how it isn't just a bunch of talented guys out there playing football, but this is the true, the truest sense of a team. Yeah, so often in all sports, we don't learn about some of these things until after the yeah. season and they start to actually open openly talk about some of this. I think you're right, though. I think what happened last summer and the way they changed the culture uh, and then the galvanizing aspect of that weird COVID season without fans and when you're kind of all locked together and you're you know trying to do the right things for each other more than anything, uh, that does seem to have fostered something, an X factor with this team that just wasn't there before. And to have it coincide with Kirk Ferentz, you know, in his 22nd year, kind of hitting some sort of new peak with recruiting and scheming and just coaching. And you can see he's looser. The way he talks in the media mm-hmm. is looser. He's a different guy. To have this all kind of come together and and maybe we could be on the verge, even with a loss Saturday, sure. of the peak of the Ferentz era, it's a remarkable thing. Let's talk about that just a little bit because we've, we, we know what happens if Iowa wins, yeah. right? What if Iowa loses? And certainly, what if they lose in a way that they keep the respect? Sure. You know, they lose a 10 to 6 just dogfight battle, and it doesn't feel like Penn State's head and shoulders better than them. It feels like Penn State had a better day that day. And, you know, the national media still respects Iowa, still respects their defense. Iowa's still a 10th ranked team or so uh, after a loss. And then you got six games in front of you against the Big Ten West that you feel like you can win. And then a Big Ten championship game where you feel like you can compete. There's nothing off the table other than an undefeated season, even with a loss Saturday. That's the huge difference from what it was in 2015. Yes. Where they had to be perfect. And really any time. I mean, in yeah. 2009, when they lost to Northwestern, it all kind of went away. Right. Had they gone and beaten Ohio State the next week, it would have come back very quickly. But And, and you know, they still made an Orange Bowl and all that. Yeah. But, but even you're right. 2009, well, here's the thing. 2009, of course, there wasn't the college football playoff. Right. Alabama was undefeated. Texas is undefeated. There's Iowa not, was not getting into the national championship game period. over those two programs. <laughs> yeah. No matter how great they looked, no matter how good they played, they were not jumping either of those two teams. This is different. It's obviously a four-team structure. That helps. But Iowa 12-1. and one. They run the table and they beat whoever comes out of the East in that championship game. They're going to have a seat at the table. Don't give me undefeated Cincinnati. Don't give me undefeated BYU. Nope. Those teams are not jumping a one-loss Big Ten championship team. Yeah, it might very well could be two from the SEC. I think that's likely that we're going to see two from the SEC. But you're going to see the Big Ten champion with one loss there. So a loss... The season's not over, and a loss here, you're still in great shape. You're still in great shape, and I, I still think, even if this team goes 10-2, and two, they're still playing in Indianapolis. Yeah. And when we go back to the beginning of the season, that was the goal. Yes. Get to Indianapolis. The way this has started has raised expectations, but it's all still there in front of them. 
So how do you see this game Saturday afternoon? What what worries you, I guess, maybe most about Penn State? The biggest thing is their defensive end. So yeah. th- they got one side with Ebikete, who is a transfer from Temple. He's basically the only guy on their team that's not a four-star that plays. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I was looking over at Rivals and the Rivals rankings of all these guys. They're all beautifully built. I mean, they they yes. come off the bus and they're like, all right, that's a football team there that plays at the Big Ten level. And there's a reason that they got ten t- top 10 recruiting classes come in every single year. He's the one guy that wasn't. He went to Temple, built himself into a great player. And of course, he transfers to Penn State. He's really, really good. Both their defensive ends generate a ton of pressure. I think one of them has 23, the other 18 pressures on the year. And we know Iowa's tackle spots has been a weakness. They took a step forward last week. They did. The offensive line as a whole really came together. But more than anything, it is that. Another thing to take away, Penn State has blitzed on 45% of their defensive snaps this year. They're going to be bringing pressure. They're going to be bringing it all over the place. This more than anything, it's not a Spencer Petras game. This is an offensive line game. If we continue continue to see them build the way I think we saw them last week, I think they got a chance here. But they got to be quick. They got to get the ball out. Brian Ferentz has to have another great game plan like he did last Friday. All those things come together. But that's my biggest concern. The pass rush on the outside from Penn State, how they can generate pressure. And even when they don't bring blitzes, they can really bring pressure that way. Iowa's defense has just mentally collapsed three very good quarterbacks this season to the point where, I mean, you see it on their faces. They get pulled from the game. They can't continue. I don't see that happening with Sean Clifford, but I I feel good about Iowa's defense against Penn State's offense. I guess the the one thing that gives me pause is Jahan Dotson, Mm -hmm. not just as a receiver, but as a return man as well. He's just a dynamic athlete. Now, he doesn't have the size of a David Bell or a Ty Freifogel, and we've been able to contain guys like that before, but he does kind of have that build of of, of a receiver that can give Iowa issues uh, in the secondary. You know, overly, I'm not overly concerned about Penn State offensively. I don't think this is the game where Penn State comes out and breaks a streak of 24 or under that Iowa has. It was at 27 games now, by the way. 27 games, which is, I believe, the third longest dating back to the 1980s. One of the, it was a series of great the Florida State teams in the late 80s, early 90s. They had a streak of 30 is the all-time, at least of the modern era. Wow. And think of what college football was even back then in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, how much it's evolved. And to do this in today's environment is absolutely incredible. But Penn State's offensive line, it's just not good. I like Noah Kane. I think he's a really talented yeah. running back. He hasn't had holes. No. You look at pro football focus, their numbers. They don't have one offensive lineman rated over a 68. 70 is average. Wow. In their rating structure. They don't have one. The right tackle is rated at a 44 right now. <laughs> Holy cow. You don't think Evans and Wagner yeah. and Van Volkenberg are licking their chops when they see that guy on film. So I don't think Penn State's going to be able to run the ball. And what do they do? I was going to play zone. They're going to play quarters. They're going to play a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, cover zero. They're going to do those types of things. And the way that they are set up, I think, works very well. You mentioned 10-6. We go back to 85-12-10. Yeah. I really think this is where it's trending. It's going to be ugly. Maybe we'll get something. 13-11. You know, just some stupid yes, right. you know, exactly. final score exactly. like that. Yeah. Or somebody's going for two or there's yes. a safety or just something that puts it in that realm. I think that's where this game is trending, and it may may come down to, you mentioned Dotson in the return game. That's big. Iowa's return game, obviously big, too. Yes. Field goal kicker for Penn State. He's missed three field goals and an extra point already this year. Something to keep an eye on. That's why we have Trent Condon here for stats like that, man. Enjoy Kinnick Stadium. It's going to be unlike any other Saturday you've ever been there. I really believe that, and uh, I hope you have fun. I hope the Hawks pull out a big win, and I hope next week we're talking about 
just all of the things. I mean, I'm like just ready to explode here. Mm-hmm. Like oh, we've never had a season like this. And if I will win Saturday, it all just becomes even more real. And we're legitimately talking about a national championship contender in Iowa City. You said enjoy Kinnick. And when you said that, I got goosebumps. Yeah, man. I, I've been to probably 100 games in Kinnick Stadium now, maybe more than that. I guess I haven't added them up. This one, though, the anticipation, the buildup, what's on the line, it's all right there. Let's be loud, Hawk fans. Be loud, be proud. You've got a top three team in the country and the biggest game in the country this Saturday. I'm super excited for this. I know all of you are as well. Uh, here we go. It's you know, no no bigger time than right now. Thank you so much to Trent Condon uh, for joining me as he always does. Uh, love talking Hawkeyes with Trent. When we come back, we're going to get a little inside look at Penn State. Let's dive a little deeper into the Nittany Lions. I've got Ben Jones from statecollege.com. He's going to join me to uh, give us an inside look at what Iowa has to face Saturday afternoon. You're listening to the Hawkeye Nation radio show right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. It's 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. If you missed my first segment, Trent Condon and I had a lot of fun talking Hawkeyes. I love talking Hawkeye football with Trent. Uh, He's a lot of fun, and uh, you can hear that uh, on your podcast feed. As soon as this show is over, we'll post it as a podcast, and you can find it there. Right now, let's get an inside look at Iowa's opponent Saturday afternoon. That's Penn State, fourth-ranked Penn State, number three Iowa, number four Penn State, Kinnick Stadium, three o'clock. You know the details. Let's learn a little bit more about Penn State right now. And my guest today covers Penn State for statecollege.com. Welcome back, Ben Jones. Ben, thanks for the time. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, this is Iowa's first top-five matchup since the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. It's the first such game in Kinnick Stadium since 1985. And, Ben, in a series with a lot of big games, a lot of close games, this one might be the biggest when it comes to hype between Iowa and Penn State. Is your fan base, are are people there as pumped for this as, as we are here? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an excitement, but I think there's also a, definitely a situation where you go, I guess we're going to find out what kind of team Penn State is. And to a certain extent, you know, we're going to find out a little bit about Iowa as well. There's definitely excitement. I, I think it's different for Penn State from the perspective that, you know, this schedule has a lot of difficult games left on it. Penn State's got to play at Ohio State. They've still got to play at Michigan State. They've got to play Michigan. So that East Division sort of round robin between ranked teams or currently ranked teams you know, leaves a lot of things left uh, for Penn State ahead. But there's there, there's no doubt that if you've got a top five matchup or frankly just uh, an important matchup in Big Ten play uh, and on the road at Iowa, that's a big deal. I, I think it would be different if Penn State fans knew exactly what they had in their team, if this was maybe 2017 
uh, or something like that where you kind of understand what you've got. But I think there's a lot of wait and see with this team still. But there, there's no doubt. There's definitely excitement. Um, I think there's just a little bit of cautious uh, you know, emotional protection as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because this this kind of feels like the end of the line for Iowa, and not not in this season certainly, but through this first half of the season where Iowa had some really big games on the schedule, some ranked teams that uh, maybe haven't lived up to their expectations in Indiana and Iowa State. But uh, as you look at Iowa's schedule moving forward as they enter Big Ten West play, now he, we here in Iowa are a little paranoid about you know going to Madison and playing Nebraska, even playing Purdue and Minnesota and North. Western, but from a national perspective, you can kind of look at that schedule and say, well, Iowa should kind of run the table after this. But you look at Penn State's schedule, as you just said, and you've got a lot of ranked teams left here. I heard you on the James Franklin press conference yesterday ask Coach Franklin about the division alignment. And I think most Big Ten West fans understand that we are in the weaker division, but but we also feel like most years our top teams, maybe one or two, can at least compete with the top teams in the East. So, like, what is the overall perception of these unequal divisions in, in your part of the world yeah i mean it it sort of is what it is and i think james's answer you know was as good as you're going to get at this point because i I do think there are times you know we've seen purdue over the years wisconsin obviously is normally better iowa is always difficult minnesota has been better you know the last couple years so there's obviously a lot of opportunity there for that division to improve i think it's tough because You know, you look at Ohio State, you look at Penn State, you look at Michigan. In an ideal world, you want those three teams playing each other every year, and you're not going to be able to do that um, if if, if they're in different divisions or if you try and spread them out a little bit. I I think that, you know, you get into situations like this where, like you said, you look at Iowa's schedule and you feel, you know, generally speaking from an on-paper perspective, you feel pretty good about Iowa's chances of running the table, whereas you look at Penn State's schedule and you go, well, there's a lot of opportunities for – for losing there and and you go well is that fair and i don't know if fair is even the right word but it's definitely different and to a certain extent it makes this game bigger i i think for iowa than it is for penn state obviously college football you're never in the business of losing games and and feeling good about it um especially if you're trying to make the playoffs but i do think it's sort of this year in particular has been sort of skewed in one direction but you know it's not always that bad it's not always that uneven but i do think it's an interesting conversation because Kind of like James said, it's not so much about whether Penn State can survive it, but you know, part of the reason the SEC is able to you know send multiple teams is sometimes they've got better balance um, in their divisions. And if you look at the Big Ten, if the Big Ten East eats itself alive this year, um, you know, it might have two of the better teams in the country at any given moment. But if they don't have the resumes to back it up because they're you know killing each other on the field, it's hard to justify putting them into the playoffs. So I think there's a lot of factors involved there and certainly Penn State's just a part of that equation. Let's look at Saturday afternoon on the field uh, you know we Hawkeye fans we know Sean Clifford uh, everybody knows Jahan Dotson and, and I think he he strikes fear in a lot of Hawkeye fans not just as a receiver but as a return man as well uh, we remember Noah Kane and what he was able to do against Iowa a couple of years ago um, what, what I guess who else other than maybe those three guys uh, should Iowa be watching when Penn State has the ball it looks like there may be a running back by committee going on uh, when Penn Penn State's on offense. Who should we be keeping our eyes on? Yeah, I mean, aside from those those obvious, obvious guys, I think tight end Brenton Strange has done well this year. Really, all three of their tight ends have had moments where they've they've really shined. So I, I think that you've got an opportunity there if you're Penn State to exploit some things. They've done the running back by committee. Kevon Lee was really good last year um, in his freshman season. He was actually had a pretty good game last week against Indiana. 
Noah Kane, I think, is still a little banged up there, not really one to talk about injuries um, around that program, so it's hard to really get a good grasp on that, but I think he's he's working through an injury. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Penn State's offense, outside of Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington's been super reliable. Keandre Lambert-Smith has stepped into the third option role nicely. And I think the big thing for Penn State is just the fact that Sean Clifford is making smarter decisions. He's not uh, throwing the ball where he doesn't need to. He's not doing things for no particular reason. He has three interceptions this year. One of them was basically an arm punt. The other one was a catch that got bobbled and popped up into the air. Um, And his last interception was really the only one this year that was a, a product of you know, a bad throw or maybe something that he'd like to have back. So he's done a good job this year of really avoiding the big mistakes. And as everybody knows, um, you know, Iowa and Penn State to, to a certain extent as well are both good teams, you know, creating turnovers. And if you're Penn State, you want to avoid that. They haven't lost a fumble yet this year either. Um, so they want to hang on to the ball. And Sean's done a good job of that so far. Yeah, certainly feels like uh, two really, really good defenses coming into this game and, and some offenses that still have some things to prove. But defensively, uh, when we're looking at Penn State, what what players or maybe position groups have been the most notable through five games here? Yeah, I mean, the, the strength of this defense is the fact that it's really good at everything but not super great at one thing. And and, and I mean that in, in the best way possible because they have, I think, maybe one of the best secondaries that they've had in a really long time. Uh Tariq Castro-Fields has played a lot of football for Penn State at corner. Jaquan Brisker came back after the, you know, he had the opportunity after last season to leave. Um, for my money, he's one of the best safeties in America. Um, Daquan Hardy has played well. Jair Brown has played well. Um, Joey Porter Jr. at corner has played well. They've got a lot of young guys. There's just nobody that you want to pick on in that group. They, they, they're good ball hawks. They're good in coverage. They don't get beat very easily. Um, so that's really been the strength of, of Penn State's defense to avoid giving up chunk plays. Um, you know, at linebacker, Jesse Lucchetta is an interesting guy because he's played, uh, you know, linebacker for them, and he's also rolled into this sort of uh, defensive end position at times. Um, he's, so he's kind of turning into a hybrid a bit. Brandon Smith, a former five-star guy, has been really good for them at outside linebacker, is continuing to kind of have his Micah Parsons year where he's sort of figuring things out and the light bulb is going on. Defensively up front, uh, Temple uh, transfer defensive end Arnold Ebiketti has been fantastic. Nick Tarburton, DJ Mustafer has played a bunch of football. So really, you look at every level on this Penn State defense, and they've got guys that have got experience. They've got guys that can make plays, and I think that's what that makes that defense so good because they don't have to rely on just one unit. Um, you know, the sort of traditional Penn State has a linebacker that can save the day or a defensive player that can save the day on the line but really I, I think this group is strong is strong at every level and that's ultimately why it's been so good this year all right so overall as we look at both of these teams let's let's say Penn State comes out of Iowa City with a win where, where do you think Penn State will have had the advantage over the Hawkeyes um I mean I think the big thing is that you know Penn State's defense is going to keep it in every game and I think even if the offense has some hiccups along the way when you've got a defense that can keep you in a game you've got a chance. I think Jahan Dotson's going to be the best player on the field. Um, regardless of who has the ball, I think Sean Clifford's got a lot of experience. That counts for something in these games. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we'll just find out. I think what will happen is we will find out which one of these teams is truly a top-five team or really has a real claim to that. Um, I, but I think at the end of the day, if Penn State's defense plays well, if Sean Clifford avoids mistakes, and if Jahan Dotson can do what Jahan Dotson does, they've got a good got a good shot in this but you know i've been to Kinnick a couple times 
that's as tough of a place to play as anywhere in the country, um, even with bad Iowa teams, let alone good ones. So I, I think you know Penn State certainly has its handful. Yeah, flip the coin. What, what, what does it look like if Penn State is, it comes out of there with a loss if the Hawkeyes are able to uh, be victorious on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, you know, Iowa runs the ball well. Penn State has, you know, done a pretty good job in the run, but I think both both against Auburn and Wisconsin, they got gashed at times. Um, but really, I think it's turnovers. I think these sorts of games, if you look on paper, for the most part, these teams are pretty similar. They're pretty good at similar things on both sides of the ball. They can move the ball. They can score. They can play defense. And that really means it comes down to turnovers. And obviously, that's been Iowa's uh, bread and butter uh, at times this year, if not all year. So I think if you're on the road, you want to avoid mistakes. Sean Clifford hasn't really made any mistakes this year. So the question is, is he due for one um, that really counts, or is he just a new uh, a new Sean Clifford? So I, I think if Penn State loses, they turn the ball over, they make some mistakes, they can't get in the end zone. Um, obviously, if you can't score, you can't win. And I think mistakes only compound that. All right, last thing for you here, Ben. Uh, I was going back through the last 20 years or so of this this rivalry. And yeah, I, I'll call it a rivalry. There's not a trophy or anything like that. And Iowa has all these border rivals. I'm sure Penn State has its rivals in the East. But I, I really think this is the most compelling series Iowa has had in the Kirk Ferentz era. I mean, a lot of close games, a lot of high rankings, a lot on the line in a lot of these games. Uh, Kirk Ferentz had Joe Paterno's number. James Franklin has flipped that script. Uh, what is the Penn, Penn State fan base? kind of overall think of this Iowa program? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is that, you know, there's always been a lot of change in the Big Ten over the years, and really any extended period of time you're going to see change in the conference. But I think the thing that sort of earns people's respect with Iowa is that you know what you're going to get out of Iowa, and you know they're going to be good at it. And I think, you know, Iowa is maybe never the flashiest of programs or maybe never the program that when Penn State looks at its schedule, it goes, you know, it sees Iowa before it sees Ohio State or before it sees Michigan. But I, I think ultimately Iowa has given Penn State a run for its money every single time that they've played. Um, everybody, I think anyone who watches Big Ten football knows how tough it is to play at Kinnick, especially for a big game. So there's definitely a lot of mutual respect there, I think. And certainly there's lots of Penn State fans that when that schedule came out, you can look at, at Columbus, you can look at East Lansing. Um, but I think the thing that most people's eyes went to early in that schedule um, outside of the Penn State opening at Wisconsin was seeing, you know, that they've got to travel to to Iowa, and that's a big opportunity to pick up a big win, but it's also an opportunity to pick up a big loss. So there, there's definitely a lot of respect there, and, you know, I'm certainly expecting another game that's been like the last ones um, that we've seen over the past few years. He is at Ben underscore Jones 88 on Twitter. Give him a follow there and check out his work at statecollege.com. Ben, thank you so much for the time. Uh, enjoy the game Saturday. It's uh, It's going to be a big one. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Big thank you to Ben Jones. Uh, really interesting conversation there. This is going to be a really interesting game. I like Iowa's chances, but, man, there's no denying that Penn State's a very good team, and uh, they're they're coming in confident, thinking that they have a chance to, uh, to notch a big win here as well. When we come back, Joe Schmelk is going to join me. We're going to talk about uh, the, this 5-0 start for the Hawkeyes. We'll preview the uh, Penn State game. I'm going to ask Joe, where was he? In 1985, one versus two, Iowa versus Michigan. I bet he has a pretty cool story about that. We're going to learn that and more. It's the Hawkeye Nation radio show right here on KXNO.
And welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO, 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. If you've missed any of our show, check out HawkeyeNation.com. Just subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts, and this show will be posted uh, as soon as it's over tonight, along with all the other great podcasts that we have here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast network and at HawkeyeNation.com. I'm Andrew Downs. I've let Trent Condon step out for a few minutes as I bring in the president of the Polk County iClub, my good friend and our fearless leader here here at Hawkeye Nation. It's Joe Schmelka. Joe, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Great uh, great to be on the show again this week and uh, really looking forward to a big game in Kinnick. Uh, incredible environment on Saturday. Should be awesome. Man, super excited about that, and we'll, we'll certainly be talking about that here in just a couple of minutes. But you and I haven't spoken uh, in a couple of weeks here, Joe, and uh, a lot has changed for this Iowa team in, in that amount of time. You know, the, the ranking has gone up, the record has stayed perfect, and I think a lot of the questions that we had uh, have been at least somewhat answered, maybe partially answered on, on the offense. But uh, you got to be feeling pretty good about where this Hawkeye team is five games in. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody saw this team, you know, you, you look at seasons and, and you look at expectations. And I think most of us would have probably taken a one on one record after those first two games. Right. And, and to see us sitting here at five and oh, and you know, not just five and oh, but a very impressive, frankly, five and oh, uh, every challenge that's been thrown at them first, Indiana, really good team, beat them badly. Uh, then we got to go into Iowa state and, you know, a really good team beat them pretty handily. Um, go down through and, and all of a sudden we, now we got to go to Maryland and, oh, we got a short week and they're a really good team and their quarterback's one of the best quarterbacks in the country and all this and just absolutely demolish them. And, uh, now it's a new week and it's another challenge. And here we are, we got, and we got Penn state. So, I mean, yeah, to be, to be five and oh, I didn't see it with this team and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more, uh, more excited, excited is the right word, more relieved, uh, <laughs> more confident, more yeah. optimistic. There it is. There it is. There's the word. I'm more optimistic about our offense. I think it's going to be really tough this week, but um, I, I, I'm optimistic about our offense uh, being able to do some of the things and and provide that, you know, that third cog in the uh, defense is elite. Special teams are elite. Offense doesn't have to be elite. They've just got to be, they've just got to be good. Right, maybe maybe get to good, and and I think we'll be fine. So yeah, they've, they've been doing a decent job. They they have, you know, and, and it's funny uh, the stats they're they're never going to you know blow us out of the water with stats, but a big part of that is. We've gotten the ball in such good field position so many times because of this ball hawking defense, this elite defense that you mentioned. Uh, and, and up until that that halftime interception against Maryland, Joe, Iowa had scored on all 13 turnovers. They had turned all 13 turnovers up to that point into points, and uh, and obviously they couldn't with the the interception right at halftime. And so that's where that streak ends. But I think that says a lot about this offense. That again, they're they're not going to put up huge stats. Uh, Spencer Petrus isn't going to win the Heisman, but when they're given an opportunity and when they need to make something happen, for the most part this season, they've been able to do that. Well, you know, like I tell people, they haven't had to do a lot. You know, we, we don't need him going back and, and getting sacked and getting, getting the ball stripped or something like that. You know, when, when your defense is, is rocking and rolling and you're ahead of the opposing team by, you know, 10, 12 points, something like that. I mean, then it's more, you know, run the clock, the offense, they don't need to win the game. They really haven't had to win a game yet. Okay. 
and and yet they've done some things. You saw Colorado State, you know, a couple of crazy deals, and all of a sudden we're behind 14-7 at halftime, right? And we came out immediately in the second half, a couple of long passes over the top, uh, some nice, you know, crisp play calls, and, and all of a sudden, boom, we're ahead 21-14. So I, I think the offense – has more there, has more juice there than, than we realized, but why show it? Why, you know, it, it, it's 51 to 14, not a big enough, you know, margin. <laughs> right. Do you need to go to, do you need to go to 74? I mean, I, no. And, and Kirk's not like that anyway. He's like, I, I don't need to show all this. I, I, I remain, the only thing with the offense that I'm concerned about really is the offensive line. I mean, the reality is that we got two, three really young guys inexperienced guys on our offensive line. Now, with that said, all of a sudden we're five games in, and they've had five you know, games of experience, and, and shot is back. So I, I think those things really, really help us a lot you know, as, as we go down. But I'm anxious to see. I mean, hey, that last game where we come out and run against, against uh, Maryland, the uh, first 13 plays were passes or something like that, 12 or 13. I mean, it was a, it was a crazy high number. So – we can throw the ball around if we need to. Arlen Bruce looks like a, I'm not going to say Tim Dwight, but he reminds me a little bit of, of, of Tim. I mean, he just uh, he's smaller in stature, and, and yet he's just got that uh, playmaking ability. Keegan looks like he can uh, he can run with anybody and go over the top and make some really nice catches. Regani, I I can't even turn the way that Regani turns. I, I I think if I ran and put my head back the way that he runs, I, I, I'd fall down. You know. I mean, and, and he's catching he's catching a football, run a full blast, looking backwards over his head on a couple of occasions now. So, I don't know. I, 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 we haven't really seen that much out of, out of Tyron Tracy, and he's probably one of our most talented wide receivers. So, there, there's there's a lot there's a lot of positives with Hawkeyes, and a lot of reason for optimism. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We, we talked so much about Reganey and Tyrone Tracy, and uh, Reganey has had a couple of nice games, a couple of really good catches. Tracy, we're still kind of waiting for that breakout game from him. But yeah, the, these freshmen in Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, and then and what Charlie Jones has been doing, not, not just as a return man, but as part of this offense, yeah. uh, has really added a, a dynamic level. Yeah, and, and then we got tight ends, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Pretty darn good second tight end, and, and Laporte is, you know, he's all conference. I mean, he's going to play on Sundays for sure. And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, really, the only thing is, is the offensive line. We know we got a great center, and I'm real confident with Shot in there. And the other guys, they're just, you know, they're, they're true, they're freshmen. I mean, one of them's a true freshman, Colby, and he's playing quite a bit. They seem to really be rotating a lot of offensive linemen. So I don't know if there are. There are certain types of plays, you know, that that Ince and, and some of the other guys are are better at plumbers, are better at running, or, or what exactly they're doing. But they they do seem to be rotating an awful lot of offensive linemen in and out of there. So, um, so anyway, that's that's just kind of interesting. You know, Joe, all, all attention obviously right now is is focused on Saturday afternoon, and, and I do want to talk more about this Penn State game with you uh, here in a minute or two. But as we look beyond this game, and and you know, it, obviously, what happens in this game will will color a lot of what happens in the the final six games of the regular season, and hopefully beyond that. But you look at the rest of the Big Ten West, and and they just haven't been great. Uh, they they've gotten beaten up no. quite a bit. Um, you know, Nebraska looks like they're coming on a little bit, and you, you and I have been around Iowa football long 
long enough to know that none of these games are give me g- gimme games, right? Um, you know, Purdue's going to give us a game. David Bell still is there, and, and it's going to be hard to go to Madison. You're going to have games against Wisconsin and uh, and Nebraska and Northwestern that that are all a little bit uh, worrisome from from an Iowa fan standpoint. But if you look at it objectively, Iowa is the best team in the Big Ten West. Have you moved into uh, the the spot where your expectation now is that Iowa will represent the Big Ten West in the Big Ten Championship game, almost regardless of what happens Saturday afternoon? Well, I, I think you're at, a, you're at a point where we should, and, and, and you are expecting that. Now, you'll be disappointed if we don't. But you've also got to take into account, I mean, you know, we're a sprained ankle away from, from Petrus uh, not being able to play a game or two and, and, and a pulled hamstring from this and that. You know, there's there's going to be some injuries. There's going to be some weird things. There's you know, you can't be up and have a great game every single game. It just it just doesn't happen. Um, so, I, I do like the the way that that certain things are coming together. Like we said with the offense, a little bit. I, I feel a lot more confident and optimistic that if we got down, if we get down ten points against. You know, even against Penn State, a couple fluky things happen. You know, a ball gets stripped and run back for a touchdown against us, or you know, just something weird. Uh, that we have, we still have that opportunity to maybe come back and 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 win. Um, so yeah, I mean, my expectation now is that the the West is not that strong, and we really should, barring something fluky, uh, we should we should we should win it right now. I mean, I I don't think that's a ridiculous. Uh, expectation. I mean, we've, we've got a team. We've shown a lot of great things. Uh, we've obviously got an elite defense, and we've got a, a. I think we've got an elite kicking game, and those two, right there, should should uh, you know should keep us in any game, right? Absolutely. People aren't, people aren't scoring more than 15, 20 points against us. Yeah, twenty. Can't can't find a way to score twenty four points in a game where, like you said, they're. Our, our, our special teams is shifting field position dramatically in the favor of our offense. Uh, our defense is getting turnovers, you know. So, I, I, I think we got a real good shot, and and uh, the schedule sets up pretty well for us. We got Minnesota at home. They're probably a team that I'm. I don't know. I can't figure them out. Never can figure out PJ Fleck, right? <laughs> right. And uh, and Nebraska. The Nebraska game is. If you look at it, that Nebraska game is a scary game because it's at Lincoln, and they're starting to get some confidence. Martinez is is playing a lot better. Um, I still think he'll be worn down by the end of the season. He takes so many hits in every game, and just he just gets crap beat out of him. It seems like the way they run him and work him and and do things with him. But they Nebraska does look a little bit better. They do look better. They do, and, and and I agree with you that I think you know kind of the baseline expectation now, you know, barring an injury, barring something fluky happening, is to win the Big Ten West for for this Hawkeye team. But beyond that, Joe, have you allowed yourself to like think ahead, to dream, to uh, to to think that this may be the year that Iowa not just wins the Big Ten West, not just goes twelve and zero, but wins a Big Ten championship and maybe even gets to the College Football Playoff. Well, here, here's a deal that I see that, that I think really helps us in that regard. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'd almost be scared us playing uh, Georgia or or Alabama. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, programs are just so incredibly well funded, and I mean they spend double the money we spend on football and and different things. But once you get past Alabama and Georgia, uh, you know I'm not I'm not that afraid of Ohio State this year, or you know Michigan's looking like they're they're pretty tough right now, but 
you know, they, they haven't played anybody that tough yet either. Um, you know, there, there's just the, the rest of the rest, of, even the country, there's just not, there's not, there's not four or six elite teams in the country this year. I think there's two. And then there's another group of six or eight teams that, that, you know, follow Alabama and Georgia. And I think Iowa is definitely in that group. And I think we'll find out a little bit more about ourselves each week, but certainly this week, you know, we're playing the number four team in the country. And if we can get by this one, there's no reason to, no reason to think that we, that we shouldn't and, and wouldn't have a chance to be in that, uh, in that, in that final four. Oh man. I get, I get excited. Just, just thinking about that. He's yeah. Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the Hawkeye nation radio show here on KXNO and Joe, let's look ahead to Saturday. Uh, and I guess, I guess before we do that, this has been, this is being called, uh, you know, the biggest game inside Kenny stadium since that 1985 one versus two win over Michigan. It's the first top five matchup inside Kenny stadium since that day. Uh, where were you in 1985? Where were you, were you a Hawkeye fan? Were you paying attention to the team? What, 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 what was Joe Schmelka doing on that fateful day in 1985? I, uh, I was a student at the University of Iowa. I had a boda, if you remember the sheepskin boda thing, <laughs> wrapped around my neck. It was a cold, uh, rainy, just kind of a wet day. Uh, rainy, but it was, just, it, was just, it was just cold and misty. and It was a you know, Iowa fall day. And uh, I remember, I remember throwing. We we passed botas back and forth, depending on who had what in their boda, and uh, we we just had a ball. I mean, we just had an absolute blast. Uh, I was with some fraternity brothers, and I think I was at about the 25 yard line in the student section at Iowa, and you couldn't have got any better. I mean, we're number one in the country. We had Michigan, and you're standing there at the end of the game, and. And you're nervous. Oh, so nervous. And uh, when he kicked that field goal, it was it was just absolutely craziness. It was so much fun. It was just an absolute great day. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's awesome that yeah, you were there. Uh, and and hopefully, I know you're going to be there Saturday. Hopefully, we'll we'll be there for another big win. Uh, what what do you, what do you see Saturday from Iowa Penn State? Kind of what's your expectation uh, going into this game? Well, you know our defense. Our defense is really tough. Their defense is tough too. Um, we're going to struggle to run the ball, and I think whichever team can 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 make some plays and and pass the ball, I think it's going to it's going to do pretty well. Um, we obviously clobbered them last year, uh, so I don't know if that comes into play so much this year. But I mean, we we just hammered them last year, like what forty one twenty one or something like that. And and while you can change in a year, you don't change that much. I mean, I think our team. This year is a lot better than it was last year, from what we've seen. Um, I think, you know, their their strength seems to be uh, Clifford and and passing the ball, and I think that's our strength. You know, on defense is uh, Parker seems to have our guys playing at just an incredibly high level on defense. So it's going to come down to you know it always does uh, turnovers. And whoever makes the least amount of mistakes, and if we can continue this trend that we're on and, and win the turnover battle, play clean. You know, you, you you watch Maryland; they had a fourth and one to start the game, and all of a sudden their guy has a false start, and now it's fourth and six, and they get a punt. You know, you, you can't make those kinds of mistakes, and I don't think we will. I, I love the fact that the game is at home. I love the fact that it's in Kinnick. Um, it's going to be a heck of a game. This is far and away our toughest game, I think, of the year. And, and, until we hopefully get to a championship game at least, and uh, we got to play clean, 
And uh, I, I think our special teams, I think our special teams will will, will pull us through. And uh, Charlie Jones going to give us good field position, and our offense is going to have some short fields. And uh, I, I think we'll end up winning. You know, everybody's predicting it's going to be a low scoring game. That's not. That's not any shocker, but it's gonna be something, you know, twenty seventeen, seventeen, fourteen, something like that. I, I don't I don't see either team rocking and rolling uh against either of these defenses. Yeah, I agree with you. A low scoring game. I like the Hawkeyes as well, and man, uh the sky is the limit. Things are gonna get really real if I was able to win this game. I hope that's the case, and uh we will have it all covered for you here on Hawkeye Nation. Joe, thank you so much for the time, man. Enjoy the trip over to Iowa City. Enjoy the day on Saturday, and hopefully we'll be talking next week about a you know an even more exciting final six games of this season uh, as as we uh we look at the you know kind of unprecedented hype that Iowa will have if if they're able to pull this win. That's right, buddy. All right, take care. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you, Joe. That is Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. This has been the Hawkeye Nation radio show. Check out all of our coverage, HawkeyeNation.com. Again, if you missed any of this show, subscribe to the podcast. Hawkeye Nation, just search it on any of the podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, or just go to HawkeyeNation.com. They're all right there as well. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, you'll get all this stuff into your feeds that way, too. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks. Go Hawks!